Hey nomads, welcome to Digital Nomad Stories, the podcast. My name is Anne Klaassen and together with my co-host Kendra Hasse, we interview digital nomads. Why? Because we want to share stories of how they did it. We talk about remote work, online business, location independency, freelancing, travel, and of course, the digital nomad lifestyle. Do you want to know more about us and access all previous episodes? Visit digitalnomadstories.co. All right, let's go into today's episode. Hello, hello, Nomad. Welcome to a new episode of Digital Nomad Stories. Today, I'm here with Jennifer Sontag, and she knows everything about getting citizenship in Italy. Uh, she moved from the U.S. to Italy, got her citizenship there, and she now lives on beautiful Sicily. And I'm very excited to have her on the podcast today to talk about Italy, about expat life, about getting citizenship in another country. I'm also really curious how the move was from the U.S. to Italy. Uh, so, Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for inviting me. Hello, everyone. This is very exciting. So I'm happy to share my path and um, how I got citizenship and how I can help others get their Italian citizenship too. Yeah, because you actually have a business that you founded in Italy, right? Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So um, going through the Italian citizenship process through an ancestor is quite a big undertaking. But while I went through that, I had the opportunity to start helping others who were running into challenges and sharing my experience and, and giving them tips and tricks. And from there, it grew into a business. So now I'm able to assist people who want to go ahead and get a jump start on their new life in a new country by coming to Italy and reclaiming their citizenship. It's actually not re even reclaiming, it's getting recognized because technically we are born Italian citizens if we have Italian ancestors. So we have to go through the process to get recognized. And for that, it's great because we can jumpstart that and give our clients access to living in any of the 27 member EU countries um, so that they can live, work and play. Um, and even if they have children, bring them along too for the fun. Yeah, so it really opens a new door, like <laughs> so many new doors, actually. <laughs> 27 new doors, yes. yes. That's the incredible thing is with Italian citizenship, you're not limited just to Italy. Well, you know, once you come to Italy and come through this process for about four to six months, after that, Europe is your oyster. You, have, you can live in Spain, France, Germany, your choice. And it gives you all the rights that someone born here in the EU would have. So working without visas, working without time limits, you know, getting jobs, going to university, just living and having a great time. So many opportunities. I love it. So Jennifer, can you share more about what brought you to Italy and to Europe? Sure. So um, I came to Italy um, kind of as a second chapter in my life. I was a business owner and back in the United States, I'm from the Midwest and I owned boutiques. I was a personal stylist and image consultant. And through the years, um, you know, kind of lost interest in that and wanted to go in a different direction. So after I went back to university for a few more degrees, more than I needed, I ended up with a master's and PhD, which I have yet to use, but um, 
<laughs> say I also I have two masters and I never use it anywhere because I got it then started my own business so literally no one has ever asked me for those like pieces of paper that I now have <laughs> very expensive pieces of paper very expensive pieces of paper <laughs> you know if you know the U.S. Um, education system you know I will be paying for it until I am well buried <laughs> it's gonna be another 200 years before those are paid off um, but, you know, I have some beautiful pieces of paper somewhere in the bottom of a box in the back of the closet. And um, you know, I was just ready for an opportunity. I went through a divorce. My kids had grown. They were launched into their life. And I thought, you know, what the heck? What am I doing sitting in the Midwest? The world is huge out there. So um, that's what started my um, my search into my Italian ancestry, because I had heard from from friends and of course on social media and stuff that, you know, there was this possibility, but it took me a little bit of time and kind of collected all those documents and decided, you know, I'm ready for a change. So let's see. So I actually left the U.S. It took me a couple of years to get to Italy because I stopped along the way what was supposed to be 10 months in China for kind of a breather. <laughs> I went to China for 10 months to teach English and I ended up being in China for three years teaching business and economics. <laughs> so wow, not exactly the route I had intended. But during that time, you know, it gave me a little more space to kind of think about what did I really want in life and what was going to be important to me. So because I made that first jump to China without a lot of thought, you know, when I would have summer breaks, I would come to Italy and I would spend six to eight weeks every summer during those three years traveling around Italy and deciding what is the best place for me? And eventually settled on Sicily. And after COVID and being trapped in China for about 11 months of COVID, I left Ooh, and yeah. <laughs> decided, decided it was time. I came to Italy and, you know, and found the things that were most important to me for my lifestyle and set up a base that I can, can travel from and base out of and move throughout Europe pretty easily. Yeah, awesome. So what I really love about your story is that a lot of people who come on the podcast, or I would also say probably like the quote unquote, typical digital nomads, maybe also the typical expat, I'm not sure, are usually people in their 20s, you know, they don't, they don't have a family yet, or, you know, they maybe they, they are single, you know, very easy to just pack up and leave and start traveling. But I love like, for you, it was different. Like you had your family, your kids were grown, they have had their own lives. You started a new chapter in, in, in your life and your new chapter was abroad. And I think that's just so cool to also show that there's always things that we tell ourselves, right? Oh, I'm too old. I'm too young. Um, I have this. I have a house. I have a car. I don't know. There's always reasons not to go. There's always something. Right. And I just love that you said, okay, this is my new chapter. This is this is the next thing. And I think that's just so inspiring. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think I run into that a lot when, you know, we're helping clients or even just in different digital nomad groups, because I'm kind of a, a hybrid digital nomad, right? So I have a base, but I still do move around because I'm still exploring Europe. In my 20s and 30s, I had my children very young. I had my children in my very early 20s. So I did not have the opportunity during that time where my friends were out, you know, and they were doing study abroad, they were doing gap years, things like that. And so, so my whole, you know, trajectory is sort of flipped that this is now essentially my study abroad gap year 
kind of thing. It's just, you know, now we're on year five. <laughs> I think, you know, it's never a great time, right? You know, when you're young, it's when is the right time to have a baby? You know, do we have a house yet? Do we have a car yet? Do we have a secure job yet? Do we have this? Do we have that? You know, life is always about making those decisions of when is the right time for this opportunity? And I think every opportunity is going to come with some challenges and some questions about what are our values. And for me, you know, yes, it was, you know, I left marriage. I, you know, left my children behind. My son got married three weeks before I moved. My daughter had just graduated from university. I had just purchased a house because I had gone through that divorce. So I had to sell the house. I had to sell the car. I had to sell all the new furniture that I had bought within 12 months of leaving the U.S., yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's just stuff. Yeah, It's just stuff. And, you know, yeah, did I spend money? Did I make some money on some of the things? Yes. Did I lose money on others? Yes. But you know what I'll never get back is my time. And, mm -hmm. and that's the way I approached it because having my children so early prevented me from having the opportunities to travel as a young single parent abroad. And so why not now? I'm turning 50 actually in just a couple of weeks. I have tons of energy. I now have the the financial means to do this. I think emotionally I'm in a much better place than maybe in my 20s or 30s because I'm much more secure with myself and being alone and, you know, navigating kind of uh, challenging situations of language and new surroundings and things like that. So I would say, you know, this is really kind of an excellent time to be a digital nomad, um, you know, approaching my 50s pre-retirement because, I mean, what better time? I've got the emotion and the financial backing to really do it well and yeah. really have some fun with it. Exactly. Yeah. Every phase in life has pros and cons for, for doing this, right? It's never an easy decision, right? You also had to sell things and like you just got a new house and everything. So it was maybe not the perfect time, but it was a good time. <laughs> like It worked. <laughs> I mean, really, is there any perfect time in your life for any? Yeah. I mean, if you're waiting for that perfect time, I feel like it, you would never, you would never go. You would never do anything, you know, if we're always waiting. So sometimes we have to make our own opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So first stop was China. Uh, you mentioned that you didn't give it that much thought, that it was kind of spontaneous decision then, I think. Yeah. Can you share more how you made that decision and uh, like also what your experience was like there? I think that would be a huge change like between the U.S. and China. <laughs> and Italy. I think, uh, you know, China is another planet. Um, and especially now with COVID zero, you know, I had considered going to China off and on for a number of years. My ex was a university professor and we had opportunities to travel to China. And so it had always kind of been on my back burner that, if something doesn't work out, I always have this. I can always go teach English in China. You know, this was back in the day where China was a little more open and free back in 2017, 2018. Literally, I just, you know, by July, I think it was, I was in Italy on vacation, of course, in Italy, and talking to a couple of other solo female travelers that I had met um, about, you know, I was just stuck. I was feeling stuck back in the U.S., and just happened to mention this. And one woman said, you know, why not do it? You can always go back. Just put everything in, you know, put everything in storage, go for a year, see what happens. I'm like, why can't I do that? Why not? 
I'm like, huh, you make it sound so easy. <laughs> and it turned out it actually was. I mean, at that point, it really was. Um, you know, I jumped on jumped online. I got a TEPL certificate. I started interviewing um, with a couple of different recruiters. And, you know, like I said, pack up the house, sell everything that didn't matter. And because I did not want to, I didn't want to have tenants. I was going to be in China. There's a lot of um, challenges with communication between the U.S. and China without VPNs and things like that. So yeah. I just didn't want that hassle. You know, I was at that point. Um, for some people, keeping their house and renting it out is a great way to make some extra money, to have a base to come back to. But I always figured, you know, by that point, if I come back, I don't know that I would stay. So might as well sell the house now. I could always crash somewhere and and hang out. And China was China was fantastic. China was a lot of fun the first year. It's crazy. It's chaotic. Everything is, you know, everything that we think is up is down and backwards. <laughs> forwards. And, you know, going to the bank. I remember at one point I needed to go to the bank just to take out money from my own account. And it took me going to three different bank locations, two and a half hours to figure oh, out. <laughs> this bank didn't give cash. This bank only could give money during certain hours. This I was like, oh my God, what is happening here? Um, yeah. So it was, it was crazy because it used every single skill that I had ever had. And I had to learn so much to be able to survive. And it was fantastic because, you know, coming through a divorce, it rebuilt my confidence. You know, I, I reestablished who... I felt like I needed to be and to work on. And I made some amazing friends. And I was so surprised. I guess my biggest surprise was a huge group of other solo women there that were at a midlife point, you know, in their 30s, 40s, 50s. And for most of them, because they were teachers, were people that had taught in the US or Australia or Canada and just wanted to keep teaching. But have a different experience. Um, teaching in China was very different because the parents are very involved. The children are very driven. So you don't have, um, you know, the the discipline problems or the unengagement problems like we do in the U.S. in classrooms. You also have really well-financed schools. So for them, teaching was just fantastic. And those women, you know, they just gave me so much strength and security and support um, to continue that journey. Yeah, the power of community. Amazing. Building that community makes such a difference. Yeah. And so during your time in China, you went to Italy like a few times yeah. to check out like what the next location would be. So to explore the country and then eventually you decided Sicily is it. Why did you decide that Sicily was going to be your next base? Um, you know, coming from China, like I said, China, you know, what is up is down in China. And I felt like Sicily had that that sort of feral organic feeling that China had, but it had its foot in the Western world, too. And so for me, it was a really good balance. I felt like, you know, I love Florence. I absolutely adore Florence. I love Venice and Verona, such beautiful places, but they seem too easy. You know, things are really well well organized, um, very clean. Food's amazing, of course. There's tons of expats. It'd be a really easy situation to go into in the north. But I felt like I, what I really loved about China was that challenge. But what I was needing was a bit more of a comfort zone. And so Sicily checked both of those boxes for me. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I understand. I've, I've been to China three times, but always for a short time. So I've never been there for a year or even three years, but I had two, two times we went for about a week mm. and oh, it was hectic. <laughs> so I definitely hear you what you said that what's up is down. It's, it's just all different. And I think from a traveler's perspective, it is awesome because it made me question everything. <laughs> why do we do things like this? And, you know, why do they do things different here? Is that better? Is that worse? Is that, I don't know, is there a good and bad? Like, is it black and white? No, probably not. You know, like I just, for me, traveling to China changed a lot of my perspective and mindset. So it was awesome. But I can imagine that living there for a longer time, that it can be maybe too much of a challenge. That balance between adventure and comfort, if that, if that exists, <laughs> I can totally understand why that was what you were looking for. And very cool that you found that in, in Sicily. So then you went to Sicily and from there you, I don't know, do you say applied for citizenship? Because you mentioned that like you become recognized as a citizen, right? I came to Sicily. And I applied for recognition of my citizenship. So way back a couple of years earlier when I was in the U.S., I had collected all of the vital records and documents and had them all prepared. And I had been flying around the world with them for three years in my carry-on, holding on to them. <laughs> Life ended on it, literally, <laughs> because they're so hard to collect. I mean, you know, and I came to Sicily and it was still during COVID. So this was really fun. <laughs> I got to live in a small mountain town. I went from Shanghai, 24 million people, Ooh. absolute crazy chaos, 24 hours a day. You live and die by your phone because everything is on your phone. You have your QR code that you can pay with, that you, know, you check um, your green code for COVID, you order your taxi, everything is electronic and runs through your phone. And here I am in March of 2021, I dropped down into a mountain town in Sicily population 1,800 people on a good day. <laughs> Everybody came back to town. <laughs> and it was during COVID. Um, and so one family in the town had gotten COVID. One family of four people had gotten COVID. And they closed the town. They put barricades at the two entrances to the town <laughs> with a police officer. And you had a show, a document showing like, oh, I need to leave because I have to go to the doctor or I have to leave because I have this like big life or death emergency. Please let me out. So for almost 11 weeks during that time, I was in this small town where I knew really no one, <laughs> barely spoke Italian and couldn't leave. No car, no nothing. So that was a really interesting time because while I was going through the recognition process, and presenting documents and going to the police stations and, you know, learning a little bit of Italian to communicate and stuff. I had all of this time to work on what's next. Because when I arrived, I had zero job, no job, no prospect, not sure what I was going to do. And so during that time, it gave me time to one, I went back and relearned Salesforce and got my Salesforce admin credentials and was able to land a part-time job to keep me going. And then two, I started working towards my, what would eventually become my citizenship business of helping other people 
get their citizenship. So it was a it was a big change from my life in China. Yeah, but I mean, how amazing that you also were kind of forced to stand still and really think, okay, what are we going to do? What can I do now to, you know, make money to pay the bills? And then also, what do I do on the long term? And I think that's also really, I just want to highlight that. That's uh, we talk a lot about starting businesses and online business, and um, there are a lot of different ways to do this, but I wish I did it like you by just taking a part-time job, making sure that I can pay my bills, and then start my business kind of on the side so that I know, okay, I'll be fine. I did it in a very stressful way. I went all in, uh, full-time in a business that did not make money at the start, of course. <laughs> But that was very naive. So I just want to highlight that this is a good option. <laughs> if you're listening and you're considering to start a business, don't do it like I did. Uh, it was so stressful. I mean, made it, but it's... You made it's... it. And, and that's the thing. You know, in my previous life um, back in the US, I used to own businesses. And I used to always do it the way you did. Because I, I have such ADD that it's really hard for me to sort of compartmentalize and really focus on one thing, much less trying to do two things. So this is all new to me of having a part-time job while doing this, because in the past, I've done it your way. You know, just stop everything and okay, we're going 100% into this business and we're going to be <laughs> writing checks and throwing money out the window, lighting it on fire all day long and hoping that something good comes of this and somehow some beautiful fairy drops cash down in my, into my pockets. Um, I think both ways. I mean, I think there's so many ways to start a business, right? You know, and, and the way you're doing it, you really have to be hungry and you really have to have that drive um, because this is your only backup, right? So I think, you know, depending on what stage you're in in your life, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I was 100% in on one business and I was going crazy. Now that I'm, I consider myself sort of semi-retired, even though I work part-time for a Salesforce company and I work full-time for myself, I have the backup. And so for me at this stage of my life, this makes more sense. And I think that's mm -hmm. the distress to people is, you have to figure out what makes sense for you. Yeah. Where yeah. Where's your support system? Where's your crash car? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, 100%. I just know that it's stressful. <laughs> it's stressful either way. Both are going to be stressful. Oh, yeah. Totally, yeah. It, that is also true, yeah. It's different challenges, but different. there will be challenges. Exactly. I know that I'm not going to have to live on ramen noodles, but... <laughs> I might only get a little bit of, you know, mac and cheese instead. So I, I my elevation is only a little small, a little higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm also wondering, what did China and maybe also after that, what did Sicily teach you? Did you have a learning while you were there that that you take with you? Absolutely, patience. Mm. <laughs> patience. Is that for China or Sicily or both? Both. I, okay. you know, I think living in the U.S., I lived in the U.S. in uh, other than for about four years, I always lived, you know, in the same place, in the same community. So I had a really good base and I knew what to expect. You know, if I went to a government office, if I went to a restaurant, if I went, you know, here or there, I knew how to communicate with people because I was within that same culture. And so, you know, my frustration levels could be a little bit different. I could be a little less patient um, because I knew sort of the ways to circumvent things. Going to China, going to Italy, I, 
I have cultural barriers. I had language barriers. You know, I had task barriers of how to get things done. And so I really had to step back and learn to be patient. And that was one of the great things during my transition between China and and Italy was I was able to process and figure out, okay, what have I learned from China? Because China was nonstop 24 hours a day. And I didn't, I don't think I realized at that point that I was really learning much from China until I left. But it really, patience, you know, when you're dealing with a new culture, patience for yourself and empathy for yourself as well as the others around you. And I can imagine that language is also, I mean, you already mentioned the language barrier. And I think learning a language also requires a lot of patience. How are you going about learning Italian? Like, do you have like a certain app or program that you use or? I have about 4,000 apps I have signed up. I have made every <laughs> Italian teacher in Italy very wealthy. I sign up for classes. I start, I stop, I start, I stop. I'm, you know, learning on the streets from friends. So I think at this point, um, I would say my learning plan is haphazard at best, but I'm communicative. I'm, I would not say I'm fluent, but I can function because I know, I know enough words and a basic sentence structure that even if I'm not getting it right, it's understandable. And so my next step when I return back to Sicily in January is going to be hiring a private tutor and assessing what do I have? What do I know? And how can I fill in the gaps? Because I no longer fall into like A1, A2, B1, B2. I'm, so I know, you know, of course, all the basics, all the, all of the, you know, tourist greetings and things like that. But then because I deal with government offices, I know a lot of legal words, which is a really interesting way to learn language. <laughs> Yeah, I could talk about houses because I do a lot of housing contracts and famili familia, families, see, it slips out. And so, you know, it's, there's parts and pieces in there, but so much of my learning has been observational and immersion. And I cannot, you know, I think immersion is just such an amazing thing, but expecting to come to Italy or any other country and just purely use immersion to learn a language is going to be a, a difficult task and mm -hmm. a lot of time because there's just so much that's left unsaid. You know, all of the verb conjugations, all of the sentence structure, mispronunciations. I know even when I'm speaking English, when I'm hearing other people speak English, we don't follow the correct structure all of the time. We speak colloquially. And, um, And so I think, you know, I'm going to have to definitely supplement with some classes and get those basics put back in to the right place. So I'm going to be relearning and learning new. So what advice would you give uh, people who will also be an expat in a, in a new country and learning a new language? Would you recommend to start learning and take classes before they go? Or like what, what, is your, what would you recommend from your experience? Absolutely. I would, I would start, you know, I know a lot of people really love um, different apps and things like that. And there are so many apps that are great for building vocabulary, not to plug anyone, but you know, I know a lot of people use Duolingo. I found Duolingo really frustrating because I didn't want to talk about putting a sweater on my turtle. Um, <laughs> I literally had a conversation with my boyfriend, like literally about this yesterday. <laughs> no, like, Do I care that the turtle's wearing a rainbow sweater? Nope, sir, I don't. <laughs> Not did. 
<laughs> yeah, my boyfriend, ha we're, we're learning Spanish because we will be um, moving to Colombia very soon oh. and in two weeks. Amazing. And um, yeah, so he has been using Duolingo and I already swore off Duolingo because exactly that reason. So I started using Babbel. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I was doing my Babbel stuff and he was looking at what I was doing. He was like, but this is this makes way more sense because you actually know how to say hello, how are you? And I know how to say the dog drinks milk. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, I think it's a combination. Don't, what is it? Um, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? So use a variety. Definitely you want to use those apps to build some vocabulary, but you need to find the right one that's going to be building the vocabulary that you will actually use because it's repetition and it's repetition and repetition. Watching TV and listening to music, I found Apple TV actually has some of the best translations because a lot of their content is original. And so when you um, do the captions, they actually are matching the voices a lot better. Um, so I watch a lot of shows, you know, and I go back and watch old shows that I'm really familiar with because I understand the sentence structure. You know, I understand what the context is. That helps a lot to start learning. Also helps with getting the accents. The accents are really important. Spanish, Italian, French, you really need to know where are those accents. And so mm -hmm. with that, too, adding in the news, watching the local news, they have some of the cleanest accents. They talk slow. It's very understandable, and you might learn something, uh, <laughs> which is kind of a nice thing. And then, of course, you know, getting some classes and getting help. But mm -hmm. it all comes down to just practice, practice, practice. You've got to get comfortable with hearing your voice in a new language because that is weird. It is that, yeah. like one of the weirdest things for me. Like, yes, 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 I can understand you, and I'll, I'll nod my head, and they're like, okay, are you going to speak? And I'm like, mm, no. No. Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah, think I myself say <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. What I'm what I'm hearing you say, I think great tips by just using different methods and using all of that together. Like you don't have to like maybe jump in and do all of it at the same time, but using all of these things. I also made kind of like a rule for myself to make sure that I have fun learning the mm -hmm. language. Uh, if I have a class planned or I don't know if I told myself I would do something on an app and I don't feel like it, I will do it. But if I consistently just don't feel like doing this and I just, I don't know, it's just not fun at all, then I need to change my method. And if I want to take a break, I can take a break. Yeah. Yes, consistency is best. And yes, you want to keep doing it. But if I need a break, I need a break. So I gave myself that permission. And I would say that actually has been working pretty well for me. Not that I'm fluent in any of the languages I'm learning. I've been learning German for a while now, oh for gosh. more than a year. Spanish. <laughs> and now, I mean, now I stopped learning my, my German. Oh. I stopped my German class and I, everything because I was like, I'm not learning two languages at the same time. That's way too much. So I stopped German, started Spanish. And yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, there's also some podcasts that yeah. I just wanted to add as a tip. Like some podcasts are made specifically for language learners. And I love those. Like I would listen to those all day long. <laughs> there's some great ones. There's some really great um, like storybooks that are in target languages. Also, Slow News is really great. And, you know, I think the big thing you hit on there is giving yourself permission. And 
And that's one thing that was a mind shift for me because I spent, you know, three years in China trying to learn Chinese and going to Chinese classes that I absolutely hated every minute of. And it was frustrating and stuff, but I kept going. And I think what would have helped me and accelerate my learning is what I'm doing now with my Italian, which was giving myself permission. If I don't want to do the class, I don't do the class, but I set aside that hour block of time. And so I'm going to do something else. So if it's not going to be the class, then you know what? I'm going to watch Seinfeld in Italian. It's still <laughs> learning, but it's going to be more pleasurable. Or I'm going to give myself, you know, a break and have a little Italian dance party. And I'm just going to listen to Italian music for an hour. But something during that learning time, during that block that I enjoy. Because learning the language is hard and it should be enjoyable to keep you going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it takes time. So also the patience comes in here again. Yeah, absolutely. Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was really interesting to hear your experience going from the United States to China to Italy and some of the learnings that you had along the way. If people want to reach out and they want to learn more about your services to help them get Italian citizenship, uh, where can they find you and where can people uh, reach out? Sure. So if um, someone has Italian ancestors, meaning like a grandparent, a great grandparent, a great great grandparent from Italy, and you know they grew up in that big Italian household and they're ready to to be recognized as an Italian and live in all of these wonderful countries in Europe, italiancitizenshipconcierge.com is our website. And on Instagram, it's italian underscore citizenship underscore concierge for our handle there. We'd love to talk to people and, and help anyone that's ready to make this move. Yeah, perfect. We will also make sure to add the links in the show notes. So you can go to the description below and click the links there. Reach out to Jennifer if you have questions. Thank you for coming on the show today, Jennifer. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Anne. Have a great day. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it very, very much. I would appreciate it even more if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts for me. That way, more people can find this podcast, more people can hear the inspiring stories that we're sharing, and the more people we can impact for the better. So thank you so much if you are going to leave a review. I really appreciate you. And I will see you in the next episode.